Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I'm your host, Louise Salas, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend, who is always a doggone good time. She's the mixtress, DC Gina. Hi, Louise. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good in this little, you know, little hot little weather, you know, season that we're experiencing. Yeah, it's a little breezy today, so that's not so bad. Okay, right. good, good. Where you where you're at, you got some breeze, huh? Uh, a little breeze, a little breeze. I think right. I think a well, storm I think a storm's gonna roll in soon, so you know. Which is always appreciative in in, the, in this time of year where the temperatures are rising, the days are brighter, and many of us are desperately trying to escape the humidity. Um, they are definitely the hottest days of the year and are commonly known as the dog days of summer. But what does that thing really mean? Well, is absolutely nothing to do with the popular summer activities like hot dogging on a jet ski, <laughs> throwing hot dogs on the grill, or just my dogs lounging in their doggy pool. Yes, I have a doggy pool, Gina, don't judge me. Um, uh, this Rafi has a pond, we're fine. <laughs> he shares with his ducks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, this idiom actually has everything to do with astronomy. So where does this uh, originate, you ask, Gina? I'm asking, where where did you come <laughs> up with this? Yes. Well, I did not. It's according to historians. Yes, the historians say that um, uh, this, the, this dates back to ancient Greeks and Romans. And, of course, they track the seasons by tracking the stars. And when they would look to the skies during the hottest days of the summer, they would find the star Sirius which is known as the dog star because it is, makes up the nose of the constellation um, that's shaped like a dog. It's called Canis Major, the larger, do the greater dog. Um, and Sirius rises and sets with the sun. And apparently on July 23rd specifically, it's in conjunction with the sun, which I'm not exactly sure what that means. And because I'm not an astrologer or astrologist, um, this is so funny to hear you talk about this. I'm about to like like wet my pants. <laughs> well, don't do that. Well, you might get cooler, but be warm, too warm. But first, um, so basically, Sirius is such a bright star, and it was in conjunction with the sun. The ancients, Romans and Greeks, believed that it actually gave off more heat, and then and which added to the sun's warmth, which then made for sultry weather. And that's how that's what they believed. And it led them to refer to this time as the dog days of summer, or the dog days. And now we call it the dog days of summer. That's amazing. Also, look at that. So convoluted for something that goes on greeting cards now. <laughs> or is the name of a, of a, a or was a name of a, a media, like a serious radio. Oh, there you go. Right? Like, that's why it's a dog. You know, it's so funny. People, you know, you literally like go around and you hear all these different expressions and quotes and stuff and you just like, just repeat them, you know? Like it's just part of yep. your vernacular and no idea where these things come from. That is so funny. I would never, first of all, I didn't even know that there was a constellation of a dog. Um, <laughs> and second of all, like how do they come up with that? You know what I mean? That's so, it's so smart actually. Actually it's smart, right? Because they're looking for a particular star to tell them what the weather's gonna be. And, yep. we, and, and, and why was it so hot? Why was it so much warmer? And it actually has more to do with it. This is my other research. It actually has to do with the tilt of the earth because the northern hemisphere now tilts at the tilt is closer to the sun. So that's why it gets so much warmer. That's so There crazy. you go. Look, learning little tidbits here today. 
that I'm a designated is, drinker show. I, I'm, I'm happy for that tidbit. <laughs> I like that tidbit. I'm, uh, I'm trying desperately not to move because I'm outside and like that makes me um, always nervous. Yeah. You know, I'm like always like, don't, don't move. You'll ruin the podcast, Gina. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. Yeah. We'll be all right. Yeah. We'll just drink some more. It'll be fine. So no guests today, Louise. We're the guests. No guests. No guests. It's too hot for them. It's too. We, they melted. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, this show is really, you know, we haven't done this in a while. And um, you have so much going on. And I really want us, our listeners to find out what's going on in our lives. But more importantly, what's going on in Buffalo and Bergen and all the things you got cooking. <laughs> cooking in this hot summer. That's all we do is cook, I feel like. Which is a good thing, right? Um, what do we have going on? Let's see. Buffalo and Bergen turned 10 years old this year, right? We're in our we're wow. going into our 11th year um, in December, which is quite a bit away. But, you know, we'll be 11 years old, which is funny to think that a brand. It's just right around the corner, really. Yeah, but you... it's funny to think that, like, a brand that we wrote down on a napkin sitting in a bar one night with a friend of mine just doodling became a real thing, you know? And, like, and a thing, yeah. like, a multi-unit thing. And, um and bars and people and employees. So it's kind of uh, wild. But, um, well, it didn't just, just happen either. There's an awful lot of blood, sweat, and tears in there. Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes into it. But now I'm at a new stretch of my, um, my business, right? Which no one kind of like, you know, you, know, you read about it in business school or people tell you 10 year, 10 year marks a, a, a transition in your business. And, and it's a natural transition where, you usually do a little brand identity work, which you know about because that's your world. Yeah. And you um, tighten up things that maybe you've loosened up when it comes to, well, I don't know what packaging looks like, what, I don't know, what your bathroom signs look like. Yeah. New merch. Every experience that the customer might have with you. Yeah. Every touch point yeah. is important. Yeah, new merchandise, new user. We're working on a new um, website. Which gives like a uh, user a uh, little bit more user friendly um, on your mobile device, which is the most important, right? So you can click and you know what location you're ordering from. Although we try very hard to define it, where we're like, this is where you're ordering from, and still people show up at the wrong locations. And I think it's because you're like hangry when you're ordering, and you don't, Trippy. and you don't really care. You just like that's what I want, and you just click it, and then you show up, and you're like, I'm at the wrong place. But, you know, we're good business people, so we give it to you anywhere. Whatever location you show up, you're going to get your food. I think also, to people, uh, like, society is just that we, we don't pay attention anymore. We have attention spans of fleas. Um, and we also just expect everything's going to be what we want. Like, I mean, Jeff Bezos has ruined us. <laughs> Amazon definitely destroyed I I don't even know what I would do now. I don't even remember... What it's like to like wait or go to a store, but I can just click away. Yeah. It's like a click now. Or when like I can't get something prime, I'm like, excuse me, why can't I? You know, yeah. like you're like, yeah, I have to ridiculous. wait three days for something. That's insane. Meanwhile, you wait and wait and wait for everything else. Well, or if we or if we had to go get it at our, we would get it like if we had to physically go get it, it would be a week's time before we could figure it figure out in our schedule how we would actually go run and get that. Toilet paper. <laughs> I, I will say this though, I like, and I, I love like Amazon for lots of things, but I gotta still to this day. I think the best things, like especially for like when you like we're designing a restaurant right now, a new location, Buffalo and Bergen's coming, um, in the fall of twenty three, and um, we're designing the restaurant now, and 
fabricating things that are like, you know, you know, custom and all that stuff. It takes time, you know, like, you know, you have to wait for certain things. You have to wait for, you um, you know, workers and stuff like that. We have that problem in the brand world where people are like, well, can't I just get a logo in five minutes? And you're like, well, we could scribble some shit on the paper, but don't you think, wouldn't you like somebody to think about this? Wouldn't you like somebody to put some effort and time into it? Um, I do think that people don't understand, like, or we forget that, you know, 15 minute eggs take 15 minutes. You know, that's something to think about too, right? So like we are still a scratch kitchen restaurant. Like we still make everything to order and people come in and they're like, if you waited 20 minutes in line and there's 20 people in front of you, you're probably going to wait another 20 minutes, right? And there's nothing I could do about that because like if, again, 20 people, we about we do about a minute, yeah. minute and a half in order, two minutes in order, which is very wow. fast for scratch kitchens. But like yeah. some people are like, I've been waiting. I'm like... You waited 20 minutes to come here, but you could have ordered online, right? So I think in the new yeah. day and age, I, I think that people, especially for, like, my business, people need to, like, get – that's why we're redoing everything. Like, we're redoing, like, all the tech of it is that you can um, you can pre-order. You can tell us what time you're going to be there, and it's, like, usually within the minutes of whatever time you wanted to be there. And I find that to be interesting. That's really brilliant because it's what – it's it's anticipating the consumer's needs and giving them a way to solve their own problem. And to your point, if you're in if you're in a time crunch, well, I've given you an outlet that can help you with whatever you need. And I think that's that's brilliant. I mean, uh, often that's mostly what you know business is all about: solve my damn problem. My problem is I'm hungry and I don't have. I believe I don't have enough time to wait. I want scratch, but I don't want to wait for it. You've created an outlet for them. That's awesome. Um, I think that people, everybody, you're right. Everybody wants scratch cooking. They do want it and they don't want to wait for it. And that is the conundrum. And mm-hmm. then, and then people feel entitled to give you a one star review. They've could have come to your restaurant 50 times, 60 times. Yeah. And you, cause you have, we have loyalty programs and we have people that come in, you know, lots of customers, you know, like forget it, 50, 60, hundred times a year, more, some more. And some people daily for a coffee and, the one time, no, nobody puts a hundred great reviews up about you. Like, got my coffee today on time. It was so great. Yeah. The one time, like, you have an issue. They're like, they're like, well, I have been going to Buffalo Oregon for 10 years and I got some, whatever. You know, I got a bagel yeah. that was, wrong bagel hit my bag. I can't believe yeah. it. Well, you couldn't believe a hundred times before you could have been like, that's a good job. Like, you got to yeah. pick up. Like, yeah. if you ever see there's a thing. There's this thing on um, Instagram or social media right now, and it's an Albert Einstein quote, and it's like Albert Albert Einstein, you know, says one plus one is two, two plus two is four, four plus four is eight, you know, eight plus eight is sixteen, and he says, <laughs> but then he says, sixteen plus sixteen is thirty, and the answer is thirty-two, right? Yeah. And everybody in the class starts laughing at him, and they're like, "That's wrong." He's like, "Well, how come you didn't congratulate me?" on the four that I got right. Mm-hmm. And that's the way society dings you. They just will they will go for whatever you've done wrong and never um, congratulate you on all of your accolades or things that you've done correctly. Yeah. And you, I, I take that to heart now because I look at it as like how we're rebranding for 10 years. And like, I think every business really has to look at this. Like whether you're on your 10 year mark, your 15 year mark, your 25 year mark, you have to look at like how do you celebrate your successes of 
you know, staying open, being relevant and, and, you know, really connecting with the people that connect with you. You know, I don't, I don't really care about all these places that have like a hundred thousand followers that are worthless. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who gives a shit? You have a million followers. Do you have that million people coming in your door? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. the truth. Oh, that's absolutely the truth in all social media, even, I mean, especially, I mean, even with the show, everyone's like, oh, how many social media followers you have? And I'm like, well, no, this, it's important. Absolutely. It's important to be where you, where your target audience is. But those followers followers don't always convert, no matter what your business is. Whether you're selling a widget, a podcast, a bagel, the amount of people who are following you on social media do not necessarily equate people coming through your door, which I just did air quotes, or doing whatever the one thing you need them to do. Listen to your podcast, subscribe to your podcast, you know, buy my widget, go to my store. Um, that doesn't equate. It does equate to, I mean, somebody knows about your brand and hopefully they talk about it, but it does not mean that you're it doesn't mean you're hitting your, your goal, your marketing goal, or your business goals. Did you ever notice, and like, here's a crazy thought I've had recently. <laughs> oh, hold on. Let me get a drink. No, <laughs> I know. It's cra- it is a crazy thought, right? I, I keep thinking, how did people do it back in the day, right? Talk about word of mouth. Like, I think about, like, when I say back in the day, I'm not even talking, like, 1900s. I'm talking about, like, when there would have been things like chains, like McDonald's, or you had more than one store, or a second location. You know, you would just market it maybe in a circular or um, a newspaper, some sort of print media. And now, you know, I have to, social media is like a big portion of my programming, right? Even though I don't want it to be, even though I don't believe totally in it, I like it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's a great way to talk to some people for sure. sure. But I don't know if it's like the best way, but I wonder now, like, is like the growth of restaurants in particular, because that's what I can know how to speak of, and the amount of like multiple units of the same thing, is that a result of social media and the want? And I feel like it might be because you only expanded back then, you know, more of a need or a fulfillment of a location in an area. And now you go to places that people want you because they like vote you almost there. You know, yeah. they're like, oh my God, we really want you in Northwest. Well, I am opening now in Northwest based on the want, right? It wasn't like I didn't, you know, campaign it or talk about it or whatever. It wasn't because I was, and it wasn't like I was itching to go to Northwest, but like now I'm like, okay, I get it. I, I think to your point, I think what social media does do, good and bad, which you mentioned earlier about, the reviews or the bad, you know, I had a bad one day moment. I think what it does do is it opens up lines of communication that allow for your consumer to tell you what they want. And you're right. It could definitely feed into, because it's data points, right? You're, you're grabbing data points that, t- that inform your business decisions. Um, loca- location could be part of that. And I'm sure the brands, we see so many more brands coming on, multiple locations, you know, growing into that. I guess the right term probably would not be franchise, but are growing, to your point, into multiple locations. I'm sure it has to do with it. I mean, it has to. Why wouldn't they use those, any kind of data point to, to make a good decision on a business, the growth of a business? I can't imagine it doesn't. It just allows you to, you're not just looking at um, pie in the sky you're looking, it's kind of like, I am sure they look at that, but they also are looking at like uh, that grassroots because 
enough people in Northwest that they, I need a bagel from Gina's Bagels. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's been, it's been, it's been a very interesting thing as I keep studying my tenure, my timeline. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible to see the difference. And I, and I always like, I, I really, I wonder how businesses that are 25, 30 year old restaurants, 40 year old, 50, 100 year old restaurants, right? Uh, major brands like um, Starbucks, like, you know, we go down the line, Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, I don't care, McDonald's, yeah. just whatever. You know, they're constantly looking at these milestones and how to like be relevant, stay relevant. And you know, these people serve like uh, millions of people a day, right? Of course they've gotten bad reviews. You know? Yeah. But like, I don't know. I guess my, I don't know. I think, I think I, I think my point is, is like, I don't even know what my point is. I think my point is like social <laughs> media is crazy. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. It's really in my head today because I've been really working on it. And I'm like, you know, I'm really concerned about like the website and all the stuff and like what people sure. want and like all that. So it's like, you know, this is, you know, obviously it's our podcast and we're talking about what's relevant. This is what's relevant right now. It's like. Maybe if you if you listen to this podcast and you have some um, you have some information, I'll totally take it. So you can uh, you can DM me at buffalobergendc.com. I would love I would love to uh, hear that or email us at that um, website. I just I don't know. Like I don't know, Louise. I'm like I'm feeling like very. Um, I don't know. Maybe we need a little tip. Well, when we do that, give me a tip. I mean, what is going on here today? We have shallots, we have rosemary, we have vermouth, we have gin. Oh, sounds like it's time for a 50-50. With a little touch. So we are going to make a bottle cocktail. You know, one thing I love about bottle cocktails is putting them in your freezer and when you get home from a long day at work, they are ready to go. So I know, this sounds crazy, right? We're gonna use a shallot. Have you ever used shallots before in your drinks? So shallots are interesting. You can use them as, you know, you could toast them, you can fry them, you can use a little bit of shallots and butter and sweat them. Uh, we're gonna use this one raw, and I'm gonna show you, you're just gonna cut it really, really thin, and mostly because it needs to fit inside of your bottle. And this is personal, right? However you like your shallot is how you're going to use it. Try using this on a small, um, cutting on a tiny cutting board's crazy, by the way. Uh, you're gonna take that and you're gonna put this inside of your bottle, right? So this is personal. I love Gibson martinis. So for me, the more shallot, the better. And what works really great with shallots is rosemary. And if your drink turns to crud, you could always pour this over a fish and people will think you're amazing. You know, whatever. Um, you're gonna take some rosemary. I would say be sparing on the rosemary. Rosemary is really, really pungent. So we're gonna use about one um, twig. So if you see it's in the bottle. So, so far you have this going on, right? So now you're like, well, what makes the cocktail? Cocktail is a ratio, it's very, very simple. 50-50, meaning if you put in four ounces of vermouth, then you put in four ounces of gin. Crazy, right? So we're gonna measure our gin. And that is two ounces, right? So we'll put this in. And I do not have any other trick than using a funnel to get it in the bottle without spilling it. So we're gonna put three ounces. So basically this is gonna be two cocktails. And then we're gonna take our vermouth. If you notice my bottle of vermouth is ice cold. Why? Because you store it in the refrigerator. It is a fortified wine. It does not like your liquor cabinet. If your vermouth is in the liquor cabinet and it's open, throw it away. It's probably not good. 
So now we're gonna add the vermouth to that as well. And we're gonna leave this. Now you can do one of two things. If you have no intention on stirring this cocktail ever, and you're gonna drink it straight from the bottle, then you're gonna add to this one ounce of water. I know, nuts, right? But if you have the intention of stirring it, then you don't need to add it because you need some kind of water dilution in here. Now, what I like about these little bottles is that you can take them, put them in your freezer and use them, right? What I like even better is, is that you take them, put them in your freezer and use them. So I would probably add one ounce of water to this and then it has a pour spout on it. So if you put it in the door of your freezer, boom, you're all ready to go. So that's my version of an at-home bottled cocktail. So tell me that tip is not great though, seriously. Do you make, make your own cocktails, put them in there, make your 50-50 yours, add whatever you want to it. Don't be afraid of using shallots or young garlic or green onion tops or all those things and have it in your freezer. Have it ready. Have it ready for your guests. Like there's no reason in the summertime to like not have a sophisticated cocktail. Like I, I don't describe, I don't subscribe that there's only one time of the year you can drink a pina colada and I don't think yeah. that there's only one time of year you can have a martini. Martinis. No, I love it. Yeah. Martinis are like uh, my favorite time of year. And you know, I was just thinking I'm sitting here and all my lavender, um, I live on a farm, in case people don't know that, but um, there is a lavender, I planted a lot of lavender, and I'm thinking, wow, I could put some fresh lavender buds with some gin and lemon peels, and that would make a beautiful 50-50, so. Ooh. Yeah, maybe we'll share that on, um, at so Desi would you do, on that, I'm sorry, Gina, on that, would you, would you, when you add vermouth, and this is for myself, because I have lavender in my garden, I'm like, maybe I'll make that as soon as we're done here. Uh, <laughs> um, do you still use sweet vermouth? Do you use dry vermouth? How do you know what vermouth to pick when you're when you're starting to infuse certain flavors? Or is there a rule of thumb, or is it really just your flavor profile? I think it. I definitely think it's hard to infuse red vermouth with like soft herbs, like fresh like fresh herbs. Like red red vermouth or sweet vermouth, I would, I don't know why I called it red sweet vermouth because yeah. I'm because I'm a fucking amateur. Everybody, I just called it red vermouth <laughs> sweet vermouth. Jesus, take away my mixology card because clearly I don't know the fuck I'm doing. Um, sweet vermouth is one of those things that you want to infuse with like you know um, orange peels and like hard spices and that kind of flavor profile. Maybe even um, animal fats or some sort. You know, like really get interesting with it. Um, Blanc and dry vermouths really call for, yes, you can use hard spices, but really are very delicate and beautiful in their own right. So like putting in soft herbs, meaning fresh herbs, are and delicate things is really, really nice and, and be more like lend itself to it. Just remember when you are using fresh herbs, they're very pungent. So a little goes a long way because basically any alcohol becomes a magnifying glass of that flavor. It doesn't dumb it down, it brings it out. So like, oh, interesting. I know, yeah. people, it amplifies it. People are always like, oh, you need to put a lot so you can taste it. And then you're like choking on like, you know, <laughs> oregano. I'm like, I, I didn't order the shrimp oreganata. Like, this is a cocktail, right? <laughs> like, you know, if I wanted that, I would have um, I would have ordered that dish. You know, it's like, it's too wild to me. <laughs> But I will say this, you know, get out there. Like I always say, every everybody always is get out there. Go pick something. Go, go to a farm. Get out of the city. Go walk around in the parks and like pick up a few things and 
go to farmer's market, get a bundle and enjoy it and like use it. I don't know if anyone should go pick in, in public parks in the city though. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I've been, I've been, I've been taking uh, herbs for years. I, I would, you know, I, it's funny. I also have this other thing here and I, I can't, I like, if you have any grass or anybody like, like someplace to plant this, and we can talk about this later too. Um, there's a new mint hybrid called Strawberry Mint, and it's actually um, a hybrid from two different kinds of mint, mint plants that actually create this, like, strawberry flavor. And it's like, it used to be, like, what the pineapple mint was. And um, I planted it, and it's starting to, like, take over, like, all by my porch. And I, like, love it. I think it's, like, one of the best things I've ever used in cocktails. I use it in rum drinks. I use it with rum and lime, and it gives these beautiful flavor. Um, it's really great with white grapefruit. I, I like explore, and if you have like even like a pot on a terrace or even in your kitchen and yeah. an apartment, it's just such a great uh, thing to use in your salads and cocktails. Because you know, salads and cocktails go hand in hand. <laughs> It's just that they're versatile. You could use them for a multiple. They are versatile. I mean, I'm still they are. I'm still trying to figure out how to eat a geranium, but you know that they're still poisonous, so don't eat those. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But where do they? Where should they go to get this tip, though? So you're gonna go to designateddrinker.show um, for this tip trick. How to how to um, you know follow and subscribe to the podcast. Also, you can check it um, on Instagram at designateddrinker. Um, Show. Wait, no, Designated Drinker. Sorry. Designated Drinker. Don't worry. Drinker. But it, if you put in Designate, yeah, if you put in Designated Drinker, you'll get there. Um, and then the other thing is, is all these things, all these notes will be in your episode notes. So you just need to scroll down in your smartphone and we'll have them right there for you. And the other thing I want to make sure, if you are in the area, we will make sure that you can get to Buffalo and Bergen. So I will make sure, or we will make sure that those uh, links are there so they can find out what you're doing and when they're ready for a knish or a bagel or a, uh, one of your amazing Bloody Marys. Oh my gosh, the best place in the world to get a Bloody Mary. Um, they'll be able to do it. Oh my gosh, I love that you say that. Thank you. <laughs> no, and I'm not lying. Gina doesn't pay me, I promise. Um, <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> not even in Bloody Mary. Um, so this does bring us to the end of episode one, our, ep our special episode, our Dog Days of Summer. Um, just catching up with Gina and talking about all things restaurant. Um, so hurry back, come back for round two because we know you're just like Gina and I, one round is just never enough. So go top up that top off that cocktail and join us for part two. We're gonna continue our boozy banter and Gina's gonna share a cocktail recipe that is sure to get me through these steamy days. All right. I'll catch you on the other side. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Absolutely. Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a Latino-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, we craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Links League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.